Welcome, 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 one and all, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Yes, it is Wednesday, and yes, there is a lot of things to talk about that unfortunately we did not get the chance to talk about on Monday's show, because it was a, it was a weird weekend. It was kind of a weird weekend, where the big events from the weekend were on Sunday. When has that ever happened? A huge boxing event, and then a CONCACAF Nations League final, just a final in general, being on Sunday. That's weird, right? Other than the Super Bowl, which is, the NFL is on Sundays, but like, for soccer, a big final between the United States and Mexico on a Sunday night, the same night as Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather. Ridiculous stuff. So we didn't even get a chance to fully talk about the stuff because it hadn't even happened yet. There was nothing really to preview in it. But starting off with the event that took place first, or not, didn't uh, finish first and started first, was the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather bout. And it went about as predicted. Floyd Mayweather doesn't knock people out his own weight. Had it knocked anybody out since I think 2011 or something like that before Conor McGregor strolled in the ring. He's not going to knock out somebody that's 40 pounds heavier than him. Logan Paul came and weighed in at 189.5. Floyd Mayweather fought at the heaviest he's ever fought at 155. He was not knocking him out. Everybody kept saying the fight's going to go as long as Floyd wants it to, which I was confident it would happen. I didn't think he'd knock him out, but I think he'd hurt Logan enough to possibly end it. But Floyd never knocked anybody out. He doesn't knock people out. We talked about that on Monday's show, that Floyd doesn't knock people out. It's just not what he does. He's the greatest offensive boxer of all time and one of the biggest tools of all time in the exact same time. And they are true. Both of them are true. And if you'd say otherwise, I'm sorry. I can't agree with you. Floyd is a massive dickhead on every facet, not just in boxing, but in life (laughs) as well. He goes after the Logan Paul fight where he didn't perform very well, but it's as you expected from a guy that hasn't fought professionally in a few years, and just pick and chose his recent fights. He's not fighting anybody of note, like actual boxers. He's fighting Conor McGregor. He's fighting some random Japanese kid. And then now he fights Logan Paul, because he'll get the most money out of it. He said after the fight, he is the best at legalized bank robbing. Is it really bank robbing if you're choosing and handpicking your fight? The easiest way to make sure that you don't look stupid by losing a fight like that, you know you're going to win, and you're taking 80% of the money anyways. I think Floyd won $100 million or something like that from that stupid fight, fighting Logan Paul who's 0-1-1 as a boxer. And I know technically, after watching the fight, I can't really give a clear winner. There was no judges involved. I would say Floyd looked better. Logan threw a crap ton of punches. Did he land any? rarely (laughs) Logan was just throwing for the sake of throwing he was that of the mindset of keep busy stay busy Floyd can't do anything if you stay busy he had one really weird section I think it was in the first round first or second round where he like I don't know what he was doing he was like like a like one of those paddles with the string and the ball on it just flicking it back and forth but he had two of them and basically just two panels and just smacking Floyd on the side of the head I don't know how many of those actually landed but it's just crazy to look at how many punches Logan threw at 217 to Floyd's 107. Logan landed 13% or 28 punches that night. Floyd landed 40 or 43 punches 
on the night. That is a big difference. I think Logan comes away with this as the victor, though. Not necessarily from the fighting standpoint, but the fact that this dude's a, a YouTuber with hasn't won a boxing fight ever, <laughs> amateur or professional. He's lost to KSI, and he drew with KSI. He never won. And somehow, he managed to get in the ring with, again, the greatest defensive fighter of all time in Floyd Mayweather. Just to name a couple people, this dude's fought Canelo Alvarez, the best pound-for-pound boxer in the world currently, and Manny Pacquiao, who at a time was the most feared fighter on the planet. Like, Floyd is not... He is, there has been times where Floyd has pick and chose his fights and he's ran away from people a lot. You know how many years he ran from Pacquiao? And he was like, eh, you know what? Now we'll fight Manny Pacquiao. And then the fight became what it was. It was supposed to be this giant spectacle, the two greatest fighters of their generation, and nothing happened. Boring. Pacquiao's like 36, 37, 38 years old. Floyd's the same. That fight was supposed to happen five or six years earlier. Or maybe not six, but five, four or five years earlier. He fought Canelo Alvarez when he was 21 and then went and fight him again. And then now he's in the, the prize fighting of Logan's and Connor's and random Japanese kids that he embarrasses and holds their hand up while they're crying at their undefeated amateur or am, uh, undefeated kickboxing record. And now they've lost to Floyd Mayweather. That was the dumbest fight. That fight, I would argue, is dumber than the Logan Paul fight. <laughs> I was so confused when that happened. That was one where Floyd was heavier than the dude. Dude was like 21 or something like that. A young dude. Young kid. And Floyd embarrassed him. I'm pretty sure he knocked him out. One of the few knockouts. You get knocked out by Floyd, that's like a big trophy. <laughs> You're one of the few that Floyd has actually managed to knock out. <laughs> that's very. That's a very big accomplishment here. This fight went exactly how it should have gone. Logan was staying busy. Floyd was being defensive. And Lo Floyd knocked him out. <laughs> there is a clear clip. I don't remember what round it is. I missed it when it was live. Where Logan is slumped on Floyd's shoulder and Floyd is keeping him up and yelling in his ear pretty much to tell him to stay up. We got to keep fighting. You make more money as the fight goes on, pretty much. And even Logan, after the fight was over, said, I don't know if Floyd kept me alive longer. He did because <laughs> he did knock him out, which surprised me. <laughs> I didn't think he landed a few nice uppercuts in that fight. I did not notice Logan slumped until Twitter or Instagram, or wherever I saw it, the next day. Which was crazy to think about. Floyd slept Logan Paul. 35, what, 45, or 55 to 89, whatever. I don't like to do math. I'm done with college. I don't need to do math anymore. I talk on a podcast. I'm better than you. I don't need to do math. But yeah. Bout went as expected. I mean, Chad Johnson's fight was really fun to watch. Chad didn't look bad at all. He lost. He got knocked down in the fight. But he didn't embarrass himself. Like some of these athletes that go in, go on the fact that they're athletic and have never actually fought before. It, Logan said he did that with the KSI fights. He went in. He's a natural athlete. If you watched old KSI videos, you would have never thought that he would ever get in a boxing ring. 
let alone win a boxing match. So to see his progression from nerdy YouTuber to boxer, professional boxer, you can put as much grain of salt as you want. He was a professional, those two were professional fighters, and it was a professional bout. Logan went on the athlete thing. Chad Johnson, athlete, one of the greatest route runners in NFL history, one of the greatest athletes to play the position. He looked good. And then, dude, after the fight, Brian Maxwell was like, let the people know Brian Maxwell is here. When they ask who's Brian Maxwell, this is it. Brian Maxwell was 0-3 in his professional boxing career and is 33 or 30, whatever years old. I think we've kind of... The ship has sailed on his professional boxing career to be a boxing champion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But when you're 33, you've kind of gone past your potential. That's just what you're going to be. There's a lot. It's really hard to get better at something like boxing or a professional sport as you get older. The only people that have really done, like really, you obviously you start off young. You're not that great. You go up, you peak, and then as you get older you start to drift off. The only person that has really gotten better with age is Thomas Brady. (laughs) That's like the only athlete I could think of that is clearly just, how the hell is Tom Brady a top 10 quarterback at 43 years old, winning Super Bowls still? I don't understand how that's possible. But Brian, I'm sorry. I don't think you're going to be fighting Canelo Alvarez anytime soon. I don't think Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence or Javante Davis is going to be calling you up to ask you to fight with them. I don't think that's happening. The second fight of the night, though, I can't remember their name. That fight was awesome. Went the whole distance. Arias versus Hurd. That was a great fight. Awesome to watch. They were just, it was like watching Rocky. They were just throwing haymakers at each other's face the entire time, and none of them, <laughs> none of them were really affected by it. Arias ended up winning the fight, and then the next fight, dude just quit. Straight up just quit. Got knocked down three times. Florida, each state each boxing, what do you want to call it, organization in each state has different rules for boxing. It's not like in the fo- in football, you have a different rule in Iowa than you do down in Florida or something like that. It's, not, it's the same. It's football, all the same. But in boxing, you have these different rules. Like Florida has this three knockdown rule. If you get knocked down three times in the same round, the fight's over. Regardless if you get knocked out or not, fight's over. And that's what happened. And the last knockdown that dude got was in the side, and he, like, nicked him. Maybe it hurt more than what it looked like, because it didn't look like dude very really touched him, <laughs> and he was done. The referee was pretty much just telling him to let go on. He really got knocked down four times, or went down four times in one round. Ref said, go on, because he wasn't hurt. <laughs> and then dude just quit. He no-moshed the fight. He's nowhere near the level of Roberto Duran, but hey, you know what? He no mossed it. <laughs> You're in the same boat as Roberto Duran. Congratulations. You can have that with you. No moss, no moss. But yeah, all in all, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't very exciting. It was just kind of cool to go. That dude's a YouTuber. He has no business being the same ring as Floyd Mayweather. But Floyd Mayweather won to fight. Floyd Mayweather knows, hey, you know what? That's going to make me a crap ton of money. And I'm going to take 80% or however much he took from the fight. (laughs) Which is absolutely ridiculous. Sure, call it what you want. Legalized bank robbing. Floyd is picking and choosing 
his fights. And I remember a few years ago, maybe some of you forget about this, Floyd said he wanted to retire at 49-0. He didn't want to beat Rocky Marciano's record. And then we get Conor McGregor talking about, he, oh, he wants to box Floyd. Oh, forget what I said earlier. I want to get paid. The money fight. I, I don't care about the record anymore. I know I was resting on my morals there for a little bit, but no. Do you know my nickname is Floyd Money Mayweather? TBE? Pretty Boy Floyd? Forget morals. Forget legacy. I'm going to go and fight Conor McGregor. But yeah, he was going on that whole trip about how he's not going to break Marciano. Rocky Marciano's 50-0 or not going to go 50-0. He hasn't gone over 50-0 because the last two fights he's had have been exhibitions. But man, 100 mil for an exhibition? That's ridiculous. 100 mil for an exhibition. And then we get we don't get to watch. Now, I'm not the biggest. I'm not like a huge follower of the UFC. I like watching the UFC because I know a lot of my friends like watching the UFC. So it's kind of like a chance for everybody to get together, sit around, watch a fight. I really could care less about who wins and who loses. Unless it's Kamaru Usman, Pride of William Penn. Other than that, I don't really have any, what, dogs in the fight. I don't really care. But <laughs> those dudes make no money compared to the rest of professional sports. Their cut is lower, at least I believe, from what Jake Paul said. And one of my friends said this yesterday. It was actually very funny that he said this. It was, uh, can someone else say this? Why does Jake Paul have to be right? <laughs> Why does Jake Paul have to say right things? I don't like that guy. Why does a dickhead have to speak facts? I don't like I don't like hearing that. I don't want to agree with him. Get, get someone else to come up there and say the exact same thing, then I'll feel better about myself. Just the fact that Jake Paul was saying it, it hurts a little bit. And I agree 100% with that. Jake Paul is a complete asshat. No one really likes Jake Paul. Logan, I can respect Logan. I can see where he came from a really dumb situation that he caught, put on himself and has rectified his career, and now most people respect him now. Most. There's obviously some that don't and don't like him and never have, but you have to respect him a little bit. Jake, I could care less about Jake. Jake's an asshat. I don't care about Jake. Jake is a dickhead just for the sake of being a dickhead. And he's picking and choosing his fights right now. He's taking books, taking pages out of the Floyd Mayweather book. <laughs> Legalized bank robbery. Top 10 paper, highest paid pay-per-view fight of all time between Ben Askren. Yeah, right. That's why the next fight's not on Triller anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's fighting Tyrone Woodley on Showtime. Man, Triller sucked. Thank the Lord they're not doing Triller again. I fell asleep before Jake Paul Ben Askren actually happened. And I didn't even watch most of the fight because I was like, this stinks. I'm going to bed. I cannot listen to Oscar De La Hoya talk anymore. I can't, I can't take it anymore. My brain hurts. One of the worst broadcasts I've ever heard in my entire life was Ben Askren versus Jake Paul. And I even watched Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. <laughs> that commentary sucks. Thank the Lord they're on Showtime now versus Tyrone Brian Woodley. But yeah, UFC people make no money comparatively. Like boxing, you know how much Conor McGregor is the highest paid athlete in the world? Not because of the UFC. So if you saw that Forbes list and go, oh, wow, look at Conor McGregor, highest paid UFC player, person on the planet. It's not because of the UFC. Notice there was no other player, but she's players, UFC players. There's no other fighters anywhere near the top 10. 
for UFC people. Connor did it from Popper 12 and all of the other brand deals that he does and the money fight that he had. He's got a ton of money from that. It's all his assets. It's not his, what he's making or what he, what he has right now. It's his net assets. That's pretty much what it means. Like Floyd Mayweather, Michael Jordan, LeBron, Cristiano Ronaldo, and I think Messi's about to be on there are the top, the five billionaire athletes in the world. I think like Rafa Nadal or Roger Federer, I think one of them is there too, but I can't remember which one. Ronaldo and Messi just joined this group. Obviously, LeBron, Michael, Floyd, and one of the tennis players, I can't remember exactly which one, were up there before. But man, John Jones, Francis Ngannou, that's the fight that everybody's wanting to see. Heavyweight title fight. Arguably the greatest UFC fighter of all time in John Jones versus a guy that looks kind of unbeatable at this point in time. Looks very scary. <laughs> and John Jones wants to be paid like an actual fighter. And people are saying he's scared. No, he needs the he wants the money that he deserves. And for all the things John Jones does stupidly, that's one thing that you can agree on with John Jones. John Jones should get paid heavily for this fight. Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou should get paid heavily to fight John Jones. But nope. They're going to make a very minimal portion. Now, I know the minimal portion is a lot of money still. But comparatively, it's nothing. Like, boxing is kind of in the mud <laughs> at this point in time. There's some good fighters now, like Canelo Alvarez, Terrence Crawford, Javante Davis, Earl Spence, Manny Pacquiao still kicking it around. But boxing is not as highly regarded as it used to be. This nowhere near what it used to be. And people are hating on boxing now because of the likes of Logan Paul and Jake Paul. The UFC, at this point in time, has a lot more fans than boxing. But boxing gives their fighters so much money. An insane amount of money. Ben Askren got bank for getting knocked out by Jake Paul. That dude was smiling ear to ear after the fight was over. He could have cared less if he lost. Dude got a bag. Tyrone Woodley's going to do the same thing. Now, Tyrone Woodley, that'll be a fun fight. <laughs> that'll be a very, very fun fight. But I think it is time that we have to kind of respect Jake as a boxer. Even though he's not fighting the best people, dude can fight. It's not like he's got this horrible form and horrible technique and no power and he's knocking out a retired fighter, a basketball player, and Gibb, he can fight. Regardless if you want to put it in a different level or not, this is how professional fighters get started. No professional fighter goes into professional boxing and goes, give me Deontay Wilder. No one does that. You get started off with easy. You get handed fights. There's always that one random dude that's fought like 300 times his 200 losses, or like 400 losses or something like that. He's fought 300 times 400 losses. 300 times, 250 losses. Let's do now 270 losses, 290 losses. You always start off with bad fighters, and then you work your way up the ranks. You don't just start off fighting Canelo Alvarez. You know, it's like Triple G. You're, you go in fighting nobodies, really. Jake is fighting people that are well-known, but on the boxing front, they ain't really nobody. They ain't really people. <laughs> Nate, White, Nate Robinson didn't spar once in preparation for the Jake Paul fight. And it showed. Ben Askren's got a bum hip. <laughs> and is, wasn't a great boxer in the UFC anyways. 
These are the type of fights that gets him going, and he's getting paid. He's making money. Because unlike most professional fighters when they start off, Jake already has a bag in the bank. Jake has got a ton of money already. Goodness gracious. Gotta respect the grind, though. Don't, I, don't hate the player, hate the game. The game is what's giving these guys the opportunities. They're taking advantage of their opportunities that are given to them. Yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> I mean, I you can hate Jake. I don't really care. Don't hate Logan for fighting Floyd, though. Floyd still had to accept it. And Logan, after the fight, was like, man, I hate being an ass. He's like, yeah, you have to sell the fight a little bit. I don't think Logan believed a single word he was saying throughout the lead up to the fight, but he had to try and sell it. You can't go like this YouTube TikTok fight and go, I'm just doing it for the money. I don't, I don't really know. How, are you supposed to train? You can't do that. That's not selling fights. Not a lot of people care about the people that are fighting in that the fight anyways. Like, I heard a joke that 4 million TikTok followers equals like 400,000 followers on YouTube or something like that. It's pretty equal. Man, that fight's going to be stupid. That card's going to be stupid. You know what? I'm going to watch it, though, because it's going to be funny. <laughs> I really only care about the Gibb fight, Gibb versus Taylor Holder. That'll be fun to watch. I'm on Team YouTube all the way. Deji versus Vinny Hacker. I think that'll be pretty fun, too. I think Deji will win. Gibb versus Taylor Holder will be fun to watch. Two best fighters in that, which is weird why Bryce Hall and uh, Austin McBroom are on the main card, or the main fight of that night. Bryce Hall's losing. There's no way Bryce Hall's winning, right? Bryce Hall is a wannabe Jake Paul. <laughs> and I, I know most, if it's, you don't know what I'm talking about, I apologize for this, but this is just very hot-button issues right now. We just saw Logan Paul fight Floyd Mayweather. We got to talk about the other influencers, if you want to call them that, air quotes, etc., surrounding the whole sport of boxing and why boxing is quote-unquote in the mud right now but yeah that fight's gonna it's stupid <laughs> that they that was the most boring press conference i've ever seen in my freaking life and man but i'm watching it <laughs> i'll watch the fights i'll i'll wait till deji fights because then gibbs after deji i believe i know dead i know gibbs the co-main event or the fight before the main event i guess deji will be before that i'll watch deji gib and i'll watch the main event because i'd like to see bryce hall get knocked out because i think that'd be kind of funny because bryce hall seems to be a bigger dickhead and a lot more uh bigger head than jake but really not based around anything taylor hall or B bryce hall is very full of himself or really not having any reason to be really full of himself jake has at least some reasons to be jake is one of the biggest influencers again air quotes on the planet he's fighting professionally he's getting all these pay-per-view buys allegedly and yeah jake has a reason to be bit now it's too big because it's jake and he is a dickhead bryce is just trying to be that but hasn't done anywhere near the same amount of things as jake paul has it's weird want to be jake paul so you don't want any of those people you don't want to be a want to be jake paul that's not a great thing to be called want to be bryce hall not a great thing to be called and I hope that KSI gets a chance to fight Jake Paul. I know he wants to. I would love to see that fight happen. I'm a lot more nervous now than I was when they were first talking about it because obviously Jake has been fighting more consistently. Jake, KSI has been training, but he hasn't been fighting people. There's been no fight around KSI. Now he could be going in and do like a little warm-up fight 
before Jake, like before Tyson Fury fought Deontay Wilder, we knew that fight was going to happen, but Tyson Fury was out of the sport for a few years. He had two little warm-up fights, but was still calling out Deontay Wilder the entire time and then drew him somehow and then killed him. And then now we've got to sit through that stupid thing again. That's a whole nother situation I don't even want to get into. The fact that we were stolen Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury is ridiculous. Deontay Wilder, after watching the demolition that was Wilder Fury Part 2, there's very little chance, in my mind anyways, that Deontay Wilder wins this fight against Tyson Fury. There is a very, very small percent that thinks that he can win this. And I like Deontay Wilder a lot. He's one of the best, one of my favorite fighters to watch. If you want to watch knockout compilations, there's none better to watch than Deontay Wilder. None better to watch. Deontay Wilder has some of the best knockouts ever. He has all of his fights. Out of all of his wins, except for one of them, were knockouts. The other one was a draw, and the other one was a loss. And then he had the normal win. He knocks out people like crazy. And that got shown in the second Fury fight. He's not a great, quote-unquote, boxer. But he can kill people. I ain't saying anything bad about Deontay Wilder because Deontay Wilder could kill me. I weigh the same as Deontay Wilder, which hurts a little bit, but I look nothing like him as far as, as six foot seven, and I'm definitely not shredded. It, he would kill me. One punch would kill me. <laughs> You're, he said that too. Why, they've asked him if he wanted to drop down a weight class before, and he was like, I'd kill people. He's knocking out 300 pounders, like almost killing them, and then dropping down a weight class those guys couldn't take his power it's a ridiculous thing I think there's better chance that Joshua loses to Usyk than what Fury loses to Wilder that's the main reason I'm upset about this happening we've already seen Joshua against Ruiz get knocked out and lose why we haven't seen Fury lose we saw him beat this guy mercilessly the last time these two fought so we have a general idea of what's going to happen. Now, I could be completely wrong. Fury could be going down the deep end again and could be completely overlooking Wilder. I don't think he will do that. I think he's too much of a professional to do that, but I think there is a cha- all chances that Joshua can lose to Usyk. I think Joshua will win. I'm hoping Joshua will win, but there's a better chance of him losing than Wilder beating Fury, in my opinion. I could be completely wrong about that, but that's how I'm viewing it. In, in a big-time boxing fight or a big-time event, you're going to have a huge spectacle. You're going to have a lot of angry people. You're going to have a lot of hyper fans around things. And good Lord, segueing from boxing and just fighting in general, the United States versus Mexico. Good Lord, that game was awesome. That is how Mexico-United States is supposed to be played. That is an intense soccer rivalry. That game is always fun to watch. That looked like we were playing down in the Azteca Stadium in Mexico City. That was awesome. The United States has struggled against Mexico recently. Not the biggest event happening in the 2019 Gold Cup where they lost in Chicago. This was massive. And the U.S. went into this game with a conservative mindset, 
We're going to play with a back four or a back five or back three, however you look at it. And we're going to sit back a little bit and play more on the counterattack. But here's the thing. Mexico has played that same system for freaking ever. Playing a back three with Mark McKenzie, John Brooks, and Tim Reed. Three left-footed center backs. Weirds me out. We already talked about the two left-footed center back partnership with Spain on Monday. This was a back three of all left-footed people. Weirded me out. I don't like that. But obviously, there there were some struggles. Mark McKenzie did not play his best game in this. Obviously, basically assisting the first goal. (laughs) Pretty much assisting the first goal for Mexico. But yeah, Pulisic started, Reyna started, Sargent started, McKinney started, Kellen Acosta started next to Weston McKinney in the game for the United States, which I'm really happy that Kellen Acosta is back in the United States men's national team fold because he is a very fun player to watch. Ever since he left FC Dallas, he kind of went through a weird spat of where he wasn't finding a lot of consistent play. But now that Burhalter has kind of implemented that we're going MLS team, at least when he first started as the manager, he was like, we're going all MLS. We're getting the U- the players that are in our country right now a chance to perform for the national team. So you saw players that will never get a chance to play for the national team again because they're clearly not good enough, but at least you saw them play for the national team. Kellen Acosta needed that to get back into the fold, and now he's a pretty consistent player in the national team now. May not start all the time, but started in a big game against Mexico. Kept Tyler Adams on the bench. But yeah, great game. Mexico scored obviously very early. Giovanni Reina scores later in the game. Still in the first half, 1-1. And then Mexico scores. And then Weston McKinney slams on a header. Two minutes later, to tie it up at two. Weston McKinney played great. What scared me... A lot, and I'm sure a lot of United States fans watching this game were scared of as well. Zach Steffen's injury. Zach Steffen, for those of you who are unaware, is the unanimous, clear-cut number one for the United States in the in between the sticks. There's really not a challenger to Weston McKinney. Or to Zach Steffen, I apologize. Like, in every single United States game you'll watch, Zach Steffen... I shouldn't have said every single game. More often than not, Zach Steffen will be the guy between the sticks for the United States. You'll have random backups. You'll see Sean Johnson. You'll see Ochoa. You'll see Bill Hamid. You'll see Yarbrough. Not for a while, but I don't know why his name popped in my head. You'll see Matt Turner. And you'll see Ethan Horvath, who went into the game for Zach Steffen after he got hurt. Ethan Horvath looked shaky at the start. Obviously, not expecting to play. He said this after the game. He was like, as a backup goalkeeper, you're not ever expecting to get a chance to play. You're just there in case. And this was an in-case moment for the United States, seeing their number one go down late in the game, and your number two has to come in. Now, Horvath has played a, a few minutes for the United States before. Before Stefan broke through, Horvath was supposed to be the dude that replaced Tim Howard and Brad Guzan as the United States number one. That's what it seemed like anyways. And then you had David Bingham for that little bit as well. But it was mostly Horvath. And then he stopped getting consistent game time. And Stefan came through. And Stefan is a lot better. Or not, he's, yeah, he's a lot better. 
But man, Horvath came up big. Once he got into the flow of the game, he looked awesome. And then in extra time, Christian Pulisic is taken out in the box. Clear penalty. It was like from the start, my friend Preston and I were watching it. I jumped up and screamed penalty because it was it was a penalty, and then they didn't call it. And then they went to ex- the VAR and I was like, okay, yeah, they'll call it. Called it. Pulisic slams it to where the spiders lay their eggs, where your grandma hangs her clothes in the top corner of the goal. Slams it past Guillermo Ochoa, and then celebrates in front of the Mexican fans. Shushes the Mexican fans. And I was scared as hell that seeing him shush the fans because that if that. Didn't work out. Let's say, hypothetically, Mexico won that game. Obviously, they didn't, but let's say they did. You know how much meme, how many memes were going to pop up of Christian Pulisic shushing people? Shushing the Mexican fans, shushing the Mexico national team, and they lost? That can't happen. That scared me a little bit, but I was also a little skeptical, a little scared of not seeing Zach Steffen between the sticks for the United States. And then, later in the extra time, after the United States gets mobbed by (laughs) angry Mexico fans, there's a handball in the box by Mark McKenzie. Again, Mark McKenzie did not cover himself in glory in this game. But a handball in the box. Questionable handball. I agree with Kellen Acosta. Where the hell is he supposed to put his hand? Because, for those of you who aren't aware... They changed the rule, tweaked it. I guess they shouldn't say changed. They tweaked it a little bit to where if your hand, if your if that ball touches your hand, your hand has to be in an unnatural position. So let's say you're jumping up, but your hands are like you're in a T pose or something like that, and your hand hits the ball. You're clearly blocking the ball. But if you're trying to move to the side and tuck your hand tuck your hand into your side, that's just natural. You do that. You know, when you're moving out of the way, your hand will kind of leave your body a little bit. Naturally, your hand will leave your body a little bit, and that's what happened. Where was he supposed to put his hand? Now, they gave a penalty to the United States, so I wasn't surprised they ended up giving the penalty to Mexico. Andres Guardado, their most capped player. I, I, I think he's their most capped player. He's their current cap. whatever. He's been around the Mexico national team forever. It's either him or Marquez. I, I can't remember. But, or is it even those two? Maybe it's someone random, I just can't remember. <laughs> but, Gerardo steps up. Not a great penalty. Easy save, all in all, for Horvath. And he makes it. Not a great height, or good height for Horvath. Easy save height for Gerardo. And saved. United States captain scores. Mexico's captain misses it. Whew. What an insane game. And then to make things even funnier, Christian Pulisic goes down. The United States trying to waste some time. Christian Pulisic stays on the ground for a little bit. Guadrado tries to pull him up because he's all angry. He's all pissy that he missed his penalty. Pulisic made his. So he's trying to pull him up. He's got like 10 years on him. Maybe even more. He's like 36 or something. And people start throwing all their cans and bottles down. Mexico fans were not happy with what was going on in the game. And... Yeah, the United States holds on. They mob Horvath, Horvath. Beautiful, beautiful game. Their first bit of major silverware as a unit. This new era of the United States men's national team, this was a huge stepping stone for this team. 
a very young team. Pulisic is 22. McKinney, around the same. Tyler Adams, Josh Sargent. Giovanni Reyna is 18. You see how bad he wanted that game? His dad's a freaking legend of the United States national team. He wanted that game. And then you got Sergio Dest. I was also happy to see DeAndre Yedlin back in the team. He looked, it was nice to see him back. He's played a crap ton of games for the United States, but just not recently. I'm glad he's found some sort of form because that pace down the right side is crazy. Arguably the fastest player the United States have in their pool of players they can select. Arguably. I can't think of another, like Anthony Robinson, they're up there as well. Other players are extremely fast players. But those are the two main ones, I would say. But Yedlin was back. But yeah, awesome game. This was a huge stepping stone for this team. They believed in themselves. They beat a team that they have not had a lot of success with recently. They needed to prove this to themselves. Pulisic wearing the captain's armband, picked up the ball and said, I'm taking this, was indecisive about, not indecisive, he was decisive about where he wanted his penalty to go and yammed it past Guillermo Ochoa. Beautiful. If Greg Berhalter was looking for a captain's performance and a captain to make a stance in a game, that was that. Now, I don't know if he'll actually go with Pulisic full-time as the captain. I know he really likes Zach Steffen as the captain. Weston McKinney was the captain of the United States in the 2019 Gold Cup Final. But this was a big moment for Christian. I'm not, I will say this, I don't know if I like him playing on the wing for the United States because Taylor Twelman said this, we need to get him more active in the game. Him on the left wing, yes, you might provide him that freedom, but he's not as effective as he would be in that number eight position where he has the opportunities to get more central. You see this in national teams sometimes where you try to get your best player more central even though it might not be their natural position. Try to get them on the ball as much as possible. Now that can be a little, can be hard on a team sometimes, I just, like we said on Monday. The Swedish national team in Euro 2016. Zlatan was playing everywhere, so you didn't have his goal-scoring touch in front of goal. You didn't have him next to the net. You had him playing basically in midfield because he was just doing everything. And that hurt Sweden as they didn't score a single goal other than Kieran Clark's own goal against Ireland. But Pulisic is not Zlatan. Pulisic's a very creative player. You see him drift into those central areas a lot during the game. That's where I'd like to see him play. And that midfield three of Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and Christian Pulisic is very fun to see. Now, who would you play on the wing? Would you play, say, Tim Way on the wing? Jordan Morris, when he gets back and healthy, he'll be on the wing? Are you going to put Jonas Musa on the wing? Who else? Like Giovanni Reyna, he's got that right wing spot locked down. Who else can play on the wing for the United States? I'm just completely blanking right now. Who else do they even have on this team that could have played on the wing? Uh, Sebastian Lejet can play on the wing, kind of. He's more of a midfielder anyways, but he can play on the wing if asked to. Siabachu, could he play on the wing a little bit? I know he's a striker, but he can play on the wing. Sargent can play on the wing a little bit. DK is really the only striker the United States has that will not play on the wing. DK is a freaking monster. He's not going to play on the wing. He's like, it was like when Manchester United were playing Romelu Lukaku on the wing or when he played on the wing for Everton when they had uh, James Naismith on the team, right? 
tried to play him on the wing. He's left-footed, cut in on the left side, from the right side and score goals. Zlatan played on the wing for uh, Barcelona. Edison Cavani played on the wing for PSG when Zlatan was there. You don't put these strikers on the wing, these big-time goal-scoring strikers on the wing. It doesn't work. It can for a little bit, and Cavani was good enough to where it worked at PSG, and Zlatan was good enough to where it worked at times at Barcelona, but he hated Pep Guardiola, so he left. <laughs> he hated him, so that didn't really work out. But yeah, DK is the lone striker. Like The guaranteed striker is him. Zardes can play on the wing. He played. That's how he came through the national team was on the wing. He played left wing. Now he's a striker, and I would say he's... To Bearhalter, I would guess that he's the U.S.'s number one guy. I know he hasn't played recently. I know he really likes Josh Sargent. Siabachu's been around the team a lot recently, too. Even though Zardes hasn't been there, I still think Zardes is probably his number one guy. He's a very nice man crush on Josh Sar- Jayassi Zardes. And Jonas Musa, he plays on the right wing for Valencia. Now they play more of a 4-4-2, so it's a little bit different than playing in a 4-3-3 where you're playing as a more of a forward instead of a midfielder. But hey, Spain won a freaking World Cup playing a shit ton of midfielders. <laughs> like their their World Cup starting lineup in a four they played like a 4-2-2 or 4-4-2 uh 4-3-3 kind of hybrid thing. Iniesta would play on left on the left wing. During Euro 2012 when they thrashed Italy in the final, I'm not sure if this was their starting lineup in the final, but I know it was a starting lineup during this, during games in the tournament. It was a midfielder, Sergio Busquets, Chabi Alonso, Chavi, and then the front three was Iniesta on the left, David Silva on the right, and Cesc Fabregas in the middle. They ran a team with six midfielders and ran through three major international tournaments. <laughs> and then, you know, what happened in 2018, but or 2014, I should say. And kind of 2018, but 2014, the main one, when they got actually thrashed by, by the Netherlands. But yeah, Spain, if Spain could do it, anybody could do it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the U.S. has the same number of, um, what do you want to call it, skilled players as the Spanish team that won the World Cup. <laughs> I don't. I think that's a little far off for the United States at this point in time. But hey, once Gianluca Bustio breaks through and gets a big-time move to Europe, we're going to see his name around the United States a little bit longer, a little bit more. 18 years old, he's a three-year veteran for Sporting Kansas City. He starts week in and week out. Game in, game out. Plays every position on the field. Most important player in Sporting Kansas City apart from Alan Polito and Tim Melia. But Gianluca Busio can play freaking everywhere. And it's awesome, and I'm excited to see where he ends up. I know it's, it's sad for him to leave Sporting Kansas City, but it's a natural thing. The goal of every kid is not to play in the MLS Cup Final. I'm sorry. There might be some more kids now, but when I was growing up and when Busio was growing up, because there's, what, six? How much older am I than him? He's 18, I'm 23. What is that? Crap. Six years? Yeah, six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is that? That's five years. Yeah. Eight plus four is 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? I, I host a podcast. I don't need to know math. Again, I'm sorry. I'm not, I know. I'm not sorry. Most of freaking podcast. I'm better than you. <laughs> I don't need to do math. But yeah, we're around the same age group that no one was growing up saying, man, I want to play an MLS Cup final. I want to do that. No. You watch Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, and go, I want to play for Manchester United. You don't grow up playing for, wanting to go play for the Kansas City Wizards. 
Now it's a nice goal now, and that's an actually respectable goal. But the MLS was very young. It's still very young, but it was a lot younger back then. Well, they were playing in an empty Arrowhead Stadium, pretty much. Now they got this beautiful park, best stadium in the MLS, I would argue. Now, obviously, Atlanta and Seattle would have to say otherwise, but it's a beautiful stadium nonetheless. But yeah, I'm excited to see where he goes. Even as a sporty Kansas City fan, again, it'll be sad to see him leave, but it's natural. It's only natural. He cut off your arm. You wanted revenge. What a movie. (laughs) Name that movie. Talk to yourself and name that movie. But on the topic of soccer, and we've got a really weird show today. We don't usually talk a lot about YouTube boxing and Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul, but you know what? That's the big thing that happened this weekend. And we didn't get a chance to recap it because, you know, it happened Sunday night. I recorded it before the fight because I wasn't trying to stay up till freaking 3 o'clock in the morning trying to record a show because I got home at midnight from watching the United States-Mexico game. My dad fell asleep. And my I was texting my dad when Pulisa got the penalty, and I was going, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. This is awesome. And then I just sent him, are you awake? Because he was freaking asleep. Freaking loser. He's like, I can't stay up till extra time. I'm old. And he fell asleep. Went home, sprinted upstairs, slapped him, and said, hey, US won. <laughs> and before he could react, I was gone. But yeah, we're on the topic of soccer. Euro 2020 is this week, this Friday. Italy will be opening up the game in Rome, opening up the tournament in Rome. Very exciting stuff. And we have not done this yet. I can't believe I haven't done this. It was really weird to me, and it just occurred to me today. We haven't done this. A Euro 2020 home kit tier list. We haven't done a tier list in a very, very long time, but there, there are actually some nice tiers here. Beautiful being the top tier. Nice being the next tier. Meh. Me, basically, meh. I don't care about it. Don't do that. It's bad. And atrocious. That's what we got here. We've got all the teams here, and we're going to start off in group A, I'm going to pull up the groups so, you know, I don't forget what the groups are because I might forget exactly what they are, even though I've talked about them at nauseum at this point in time. But that's what you do. When a thing's getting closer and closer, the more and more you want to talk about it. Like the NFL. We are all the way back in June. You can't wait. And once we get to August, we're going to talk about it like freaking crazy. You know how much draft stuff we're going to have in August? I made a freaking list of the top 10 players in the draft today, and I'm not done with it, obviously. But, or not top 10 players in the draft, top 5 players in each position. Because I was going to redo my quarterback list, which my redone quarterback list, I might as well just say this now. It's not really that different. It's just flipping around some people and adding some people. So, we have Sam Howell still number 1, Spencer Rattler, Malik Willis at number 3, Keaton Slovis at 4, Desmond Ritter 5, Carson Strong from Nevada at 6, flip-flopping with JT Daniels, JT Daniels dropping the 7, Matt Corral going to eight, flip-flopping with Jaden Daniels, who's going number nine, and then Phil Yurkovic from Boston College going into number 10. Okay, sound good? We'll have a full top five players from each position list. Coming out in the near future, I don't know exactly when, but it's going to come out sometime in the near future. But here is group A. Turkey, Italy, Wales, and Switzerland. Let's start off with a team that we said first. Turkey and their jerseys are the same freaking thing every single year. I'm not going to put it in atrocious. I just don't like it. It is a white jersey with a huge red stripe, horizontal red stripe going across the middle. 
with their flag. It looks like they're trying to make it like the Turkish flag. It just looks very stupid. I don't like it. Now, Italy, this one is beautiful. Italy's jersey is freaking beautiful. The, the, the Italians know how to do it right. This is a nice jersey. It's got a nice little collar on it. It's got some extra textures in it as well. Some nice little diamonds. Some nice little other things in there. The collar is nice. I like it. It is a beautiful jersey. It might get dropped down to nice depending on what else we see in here. But that I love the Italian jersey. I love the Italy jersey. Next one is Switzerland. And Switzerland is... Um, don't do that. It is a red jersey with some weird... It's got their little logo on it, and then the flag on the left side with a puma. It looks like the dude on the right side of the jersey is running from the puma, and the Red Cross is standing there protect to get ready for the vicious mauling that the puma is going to provide this player kicking a soccer ball. And then it's got these random stripes in there as well. These random horizontal, red, darker red horizontal stripes in there as well. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. Wales, eh, meh. It looks like a McDonald's color jersey. It's got the yellow cuffs on the sleeve, which aren't too bad. Adidas usually plays it safe. This one's pretty safe, but it's just meh. Nothing too exciting about it. It's a nice jersey, but it's just meh. Moving on to Group B, we got Denmark, Finland, Belgium, and Russia. Denmark, where's Denmark at? Right here. Uh, it's a meh. They do this jer the jersey style they have. I'm not really sure what the brand is, but they do these red, like, Things down the sleeve. I'm going to pull it up a clo a better image so I can see the uh, full display of the jersey. But it's got these... What is that? That is not the jersey. That is not what I was looking for. Right here. It, it's Hummel. Yeah. This was the sponsor of Everton this year as well. They have these stripes that go down the sleeve. These like arrows, I guess. Do I move it down one tier? I'm not... The numbers are kind of weird. I like Hummel, but the ooh, the collar's got the flag in it. I don't know. I it's not it's not meh cuz it's making me talk about it. It's not meh. I don't know. We'll keep it in meh for now because I don't really know how to have an opinion about it right now. Next one, Finland. Meh. It's just a Finnish flag. It's just the Finland flag. It's black fading into blue. That doesn't look too bad. I know I've, I've been very adamant. I'm not a huge fan of gradient, but it's just a white jersey with a Finnish cross on it. I don't know what they call it because I know we've got like the St. Andrew's cross, but this one, I'm not sure what this is. The Scandinavian cross because obviously Denmark, Sweden, Norway, they all have it, even though we don't consider Finland a Scandinavian country. Tell your friend. But it's just meh. Nothing too spectacular about it. Belgium, I am impartial to this one. I don't know what I feel about this jersey, to be 100% honest with you. Because it's interesting. I don't know if I don't, I don't know if I like it or not. Because it's just so weird. It looks, they're trying to make a B in the jersey. You have to look kind of closely for it, but you can see there's a B in there with all the diagonal lines that they have in there. This is remember when I said Adidas usually goes safe. This one is not a safe jersey, but I don't know if I like this one or not. It's either going in don't do that or nice, because I part of me kind of likes it, and I don't know why. 
part of me kind of likes it, and I, I don't, it hurts. Why do I like it? You can look it up for yourself. I might just leave this out for right now and make a decision as we go on later because I am not even 100% sure what I want to rank this thing. Russia, meh, nothing spectacular. I mean, it's a red jersey. It's got some texture on the jersey as well. Like you have the Italian one has some jer- uh, some texture on the inside of it. This one, is it the map of Russia? I think that's what it's supposed to be. But it looks like the Wolves away jersey this year, Wolverhampton Wanderers, where it's like you threw two jerseys on the same thing and it just kind of looks off. I don't know. I it It's just meh. It doesn't make me really feel anything. I like the red, white, and blue is a very good color scheme, obviously, but it's just meh. Moving on to Group C, the Netherlands. The Dutch usually have some very nice jerseys. I love the orange that the Dutch have. I'm going to put this in nice. I really like the Netherlands jerseys. The orange is always sweet. I'm not, and I've been a, a big uh, anti-orange person. The Dutch jerseys are the only orange jerseys that I ever, like, really like. I tried to get one of their Euro 2012 jerseys. Tried really hard. I entered in so many competitions to win a Dutch jersey because at that time, what was that, 10 years ago, 9 years ago, I didn't have a lot of money. And we didn't have a lot of internet access at that time. So I was weird. I, I tried so hard to get this jersey. The black one, the away one's very nice as well. Now they wore black and orange when they got absolutely dismantled at Euro 2012. Now they missed the 2018 World Cup. I don't remember what they were in the 2016 Euros, but in 2014 World Cup, it looked nice. I like those jerseys that they had in 2014. I love the blue ones as well that they had in that. But they went with the black and orange again, and I like it. That going goes in very nice. Ukraine, where is Ukraine's one? Big old yellow, plain yellow jersey. Meh. It's nothing. It's a yellow jersey. It's got rarely any other colors on it. I think it's got some sort of texture on it, but it's just meh. Meh, 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 meh. I feel like the the grandma or the neighbor from Gumball. Meh, 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 meh. I don't know. I'm sorry. I apologize for doing that. I, I really shouldn't have done that. That was a little uncalled for. I really apologize. Now I feel like Bill Belichick. Austria, the next jersey that we have on here. And again, I would recommend that you look up the jerseys as we go along so you can see what they're going on for yourself. Austria, don't do that. It looks like you just diagnosed yourself with some chicken pox or something and just threw them on the jersey. If it weren't for the chicken pox that were on the jersey... It'd be a decent jersey. I like the white sleeves, but the chicken pox, why are they on there? Why did you throw little red dots around the jersey? It seems so unnecessary, and I hate it. I dislike it. North Macedonia, atrocious. I do not like this jersey. (laughs) I mean, it's their first jersey. They're not going to have a lot of giant kit manufacturers, manufacturers going all out to make them a jersey. This thing is not great. And this, unless there's a different jersey that I'm just not seeing. Oh, did they change them? They changed the jersey? I'm seeing a list where I saw an article. North Macedonia's Euro 2020 kits were so bad they immediately apologized and changed them. I'm not seeing another jersey. Either way, the jersey that they have on here is awful. It looks like 
Watford's jersey from this year. I don't know if it's the same sponsor, but Watford's jersey in the championship was awful as well. It looks like there's a sun from the logo, and it's like radiating. I, I'm not even going to try and explain it. It's just an awful jersey. I would not be surprised at all if they tried if they changed the jersey. Because I'm seeing some other jerseys that are on here, and they're not that bad, but they're still not great. And just the fact that they had those sun jerseys, it just deserves to go in the very bottom of the bin. That's that's deep, deep in the recesses of the garbage. England, nice. I love that. I really like England's jersey. Simple, got the nice little stripes on the side. I don't know. I just like it. I'm I'm a fan. I'm a man of simple taste. But sometimes things like bright yellow that don't have anything cool going on with it. We'll get to a nice bright yellow jersey in a little bit. But I like England's Croatia. I would say that's beautiful. I love Croatia's jersey. The checkerboard jerseys, it's so synonymous with Croatia. It's like Argentina's stripes, the blue and white stripes that they have. It's like Brazil's yellow jersey. When you see that, you know you're watching Croatia. You can kind of make the same case for the Dutch and the orange. But that is a beautiful, beautiful jersey. Croatia always has nice jerseys. That's another one. Uh, Moving on, another team in Group C, or Group D, I apologize, Scotland. Meh. Really nothing going on with it. I mean, it's got some stripes in it. Their first tournament since 1998. It's just meh. Meh. The stripes on the, the jersey are kind of like wavy. I don't know if that's supposed to mean anything, but it's it's meh. It's meh. It's meh. And then the Czech Republic for the final team in Group D. It's It's nice. It's basically the same thing as the England jersey. It's not really that much different from England's. I think it's like a lighter blue. Wait, what is this? Why is there a white? Did I pull up the wrong jersey? I did. I grabbed the wrong jersey. Never mind. Czech Republic's. Meh. (laughs) I found the right jersey this time. It is a logo on a red jersey. There is nothing on this jersey. It is the plainest jersey next to Ukraine's in the entire tournament. Meh, meh, meh. Nothing going on with that jersey. Nothing to even like say really anything about. We're just trying to make content here. Spain, it just looks like a typical Spain jersey, but I kind of like it. I like Spain's jerseys that they have, the nice red slash maroon colors they've got going on. It's got different colors of red kind of all the way around the jersey. And it's a shame that Isco is modeling the kit in that one because he's not even in the team because there's no Real Madrid players in the team. But I like it. I think it's a nice jersey. Maybe a move it down. To, I, I don't know. I like it. Sweden, nice. I love Sweden's jersey. I love the fact that they put the little flag on the cuff of the sleeve as well. Sweden always just has a nice jersey. I This is one of my favorite ones. I really liked the ones from Euro 2012, the sash jerseys, the white, the blue ones they had. And then the, the away ones for this tournament are basically just flipped around versions of the home one that they had in 2012, which is just the very skinny stripes. But I like Sweden's jersey. I will always like and cherish Sweden's jerseys. Next one, Poland. Meh. It's a white jersey. Nothing any going on. Like, Sweden's is a yellow jersey, but at least it's got the texture, the nice little textures on the sleeves. It's nice. I really like it. But Poland, nothing. Slovakia, meh or nice. I need to pull up Slovakia, get a closer look at the Slovakian jersey. Slovakia. Yeah, I know how to spell. See, I know I don't need to know these things. It's nice. 
I like the little logo that they got in the middle of it. It's... I'll keep it down in meh. It doesn't do anything for me. There's not a lot of jerseys that are doing a lot for me in this tournament. <laughs> I, I might move Denmark's down to don't do that because that's the only one I could think that actually make me feel something because the stripes on the sleeves make me... I don't know. I might have to look at Denmark's a little more closely later, but Group F, Hungary. Start off with Hungary. Weird jersey. Uh, yeah, that's really all I can say about it. It's just a weird jersey. Do I put it in a don't do that? I don't know. The stripes are so uneven on the jersey. It's making me feel sick. I'm going to put it in don't do that. All the jerseys in don't do that are red. Even Denmark's is red. So I was thinking, oh, I, I like red. Red's one of my favorite colors. And even the only one in atrocious is red. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, France, beautiful. Beautiful jersey. Mwah. France, beautiful jerseys as always. I mean, France rarely messes up on a jersey. I think the only one you could really make an argument that was a bad jersey was the 2014 World Cup. Did not like that random white collar on the navy blue jersey. This one is nice. I think they felt like they need a little more swag now that they've won a World Cup. And in the last World Cup, beautiful jerseys. Beautiful jerseys in the last World Cup. I like the ones in Euro 2016 as well. 2014, they must have gotten kicked in the nards or something because they flipped up and had some nice jerseys from then on in. Germany. I like Germany's kit. I like their jersey quite a bit. Do I put it all the way up in the beautiful column? Possibly. Let's look at the bigger jersey. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have the full pr whole bracket down on Twitter tomorrow, down on Instagram, wherever you want to see it. We will have it. That's what we've got for you. And then finally, the last one, Portugal. It is beautiful. Simple red jersey with some nice little textures on it. Nice little collar on it as well. The sleeves and the sides have some nice stuff attached to it as well. I like the away jersey a lot as well. It's like a, a cyan color. Nice little light blue, some like mint color. Very nice. And I'm going to put Belgium's up in nice. I like Belgium's. I, that's one that I feel weird about, but I like Belgium's. Maybe you might call me an elitist or something because I put all the best countries in regards to the FIFA World Rankings at the top and then put North Macedonia at the bottom. But that's probably what I would do. Germany's is one I might move around. But let's start at the top. Beautiful. Italy, Croatia, France, and Portugal. Beautiful jerseys. Nice. The Netherlands, England, Spain, Sweden, Germany, and Belgium. Meh. Wales, Denmark, Finland, Russia, Ukraine, Scotland, the Czech Republic, Poland, and Slovakia. Don't do that. Turkey, Switzerland, Austria in their chicken pox jersey, and who is that? Hungary, and then North Macedonia in atrocious. That's the worst jersey by far. I think that just needs to be in its own genre of jersey all by itself. Awful jerseys. Now go and do your own jersey tier list. Go up and look at the Euro 2020 tier jerseys and make your own because there's some nice jerseys in Euro 2012. So with that being said, I think that's all I've got for you today. I think that's all I've got. Yeah. I think that's all we're going to talk about today. And I hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I apologize. If you did, awesome. And we will see you all on Friday. Peace.